Hey everyone, you're listening to the MLEPC podcast. Thank you for joining us. The podcast features every previous Sunday's sermon and plenty of other cool content like interviews and mini-series. Please remember to share our content and subscribe to our channel so you can stay up to date with everything that we create. You can find out more about what's happening at the church by visiting our website at mlepc.org or checking us out on our social media. Once again, we thank you for tuning in to the MLEPC podcast, and we hope to see you at an event soon. So when you hear the word good, what comes to mind? It's a funny word because it's not always the greatest thing. We think there's good, there's better, and there's best. Or, or we, there's a book on leadership that is from good to great. It's saying, don't let the good things overshadow the things that need to be, uh, that, that are really going to make you sing, make you great. But God wants to emphasize good. He, goodness is part of his being. It's part of who he is. And the fruit is not love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, greatness. It's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, fruitful uh, goodness, and that goodness comes from God, just as every other fruit of the Spirit comes through the Spirit being in us and flowing out of us. Goodness is one of those things that, that permeates us because God is good. Today, as we think about goodness, we're going to, uh, as we have with each of the fruit, we're going to look at who God is. It starts with God, with his being, with his essence, and how he expresses goodness. And then how he, as he pours out his Holy Spirit on us, how that goodness grows up in us. And it grows out to bear fruit, the fruit of good for others as well. When I think about God being good, my instant thought is always that great quote from C.S. Lewis, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Susan is wondering, she finds out that Aslan is not a man, he's a lion. And she's like, well, but is he safe? And Mr. Beaver says, safe? (laughs) Who said anything about safe? He's not safe, but he is good. That, that is that sense that God is untamable. He is powerful. He is just mind-blowingly magnificent and awesome and, and, and bigger than anything we can comprehend. He's not safe, but he is good. And as we consider who God is, we see his goodness from the beginning of time through until eternity. Even at the beginning and in creation, the, the word in Hebrew for good is tov. And that's the word that God used as he created each day. He saw that it was good. He saw that it was good. He saw that it was good. And then as he wraps up his creation with humans, he says, and he saw that it was very good. You and I were created in a a magnificent, amazing way out of God's goodness. And he saw that it was very good. All of the Old Testament celebrates the goodness of God. You can think about the phrase, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. That's used five or six times in in five or six different psalms. But there are certain psalms that say it over and over and over. Psalm 136 is one of those. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. And then 25 times it talks about everything God has done that is good. 
He remembered us in our low estate. His love endures forever. Freed us from our enemies. His love endures forever. He gives food to every creature. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. God is good in ways that we can hardly even imagine. Um, It's interesting, when Jesus is having the interaction with the rich young ruler, we usually think about that one as, as the guy who wasn't willing to give up his stuff to be able to follow Jesus. But he starts with a really interesting interaction. He asks Jesus, good teacher, what is it that I must do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus doesn't go, well, here's the 10-step plan. Jesus says, who are you calling good? <laughs> it's a funny calling them out, on, on, calling him out on his, his just throwing the, the word good around like it's cheap. We've talked about cheap grace before. This is cheap good. And he says, nobody is good except God alone. Of course, we readers, you know, stepping back, knowing the end of the story, we know that God, Jesus is God, and he's saying, you're, you're actually right, I am the good teacher, but it means so much more than you can even imagine. Good, God's goodness is not just perfection, it's not just that he is, is holy, it's goodness is, is what, how he interacts with other people as well. You may remember the story of, of, of the, the, uh, the owner of a vineyard who hires people at different times of the day, and at the end of the day, he pays everybody the same thing. So the guys at the beginning get a whole day's wage, and the guys who start at noon get a whole day's wage, even though they only worked a half a day, and the guys who, who work an hour at the end of the day also get a whole day's wage. And the, the, the workers are incensed, the ones that started early are like, what are you doing? Of course, the work, workers that only had to work an hour were thrilled. But what it says is that God is a generous God, and the word for generous there is actually the same as good. It's not fair, it's good, because God's fair is better than our fair. God's fair is a goodness that, that blows away our human conceptions of what is, what is enough, what is sufficient, what is deserved. His goodness goes above and beyond what is deserved. You and I may be the ones that, that are working one hour and getting paid for a whole day. That is the goodness of God. That is a generous, overflowing goodness. There, there, as we see God demonstrating his goodness, it is also his kindness, his generosity, his love, his grace, his faithfulness. It is, it is in him being holy and it is in him being generous and kind. It's interesting that the, the goodness of God is probably one of the most attacked aspects of who God is right now. A lot of our young people and older folks are, the word right now is deconstructing their faith. And one of the, the first things that gets attacked is God is not really good. God is mean. He's capricious. He, he does whatever he wants to. It's not fair. And, and that, that idea gets attacked over and over again. The boundaries of God get attacked. They are seen as, as harsh or, or hateful. Isaiah 5 gives this warning, woe to them who call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness. 
They see God as, as being destructive and harsh rather than good. But if we, if we can judge the idea of God, but you have to, to look at the person of God. You can't just think of God up there, you know, making whimsical decisions. It is the person of God as exhibited through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ saw that the world was broken. He was willing to come into this world to take on flesh, to become in very nature human, and to humble himself into a servant, humble himself all the way to the cross, humble himself unto death. That is the good God, not the God who came and wiped out everything. He was the God who was so good, he himself was willing to take on the sin of the world so that we might know the goodness of the Lord, not deserving it at all. It is all grace. It is God's goodness that comes through Jesus Christ that gives us hope to live as good people. We cannot do that in ourselves. But it is through him that we are transformed, that we see who God is and how good he is to us. It is okay to struggle with the idea of God's goodness. Jesus struggled with what to do in the Garden of Gethsemane. If it is your will, let this cup pass from me, but not my will, but yours be done. Jesus at that moment sees the horror that he has to go through through a Roman crucifixion, the most excruciating, torturous death you can imagine. And Jesus said, if there's any way, take this cup from me. And yet he chose to trust and believe that God is good, but your will be done. Because God, Jesus knew that the Father was love that the Father's plan, even though it involved pain, would ultimately be the, the most incredible good for all of humanity, for all of the world, even creation. I've struggled with that myself. I told you the story one time of, of, of wrestling with that question, like literally in the Garden of Gethsemane, and I was, I, I was saying, God, here's, here's my will, <laughs> but your will be done. <laughs> and God said, why do you always think my will is bad? Oh, man, that cut me to the quick. It made me realize that I'm doubting God's goodness by doubting his decisions, by doubting his choices in my life. God wants to show us his goodness, and sometimes it is hard to see his goodness in, in a certain moment when we're going through the midst of struggles. But when we have come through, God begins to show us where he was all along and how he can work everything together for good. We live in a broken world. There are lots of bad things that happen, but God sent his only begotten son so that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. That is the goodness of God. As we, as we spend time with the gospel, as we realize that it is not our ability to clean ourselves up and to be good enough for God, that's not what gets us eternal life. It is God's goodness that gets us eternal life. It is Jesus' goodness and his righteousness and truth and sacrifice and triumph over the grave. That is what makes us good enough for God. 
As we spend time with the Lord, you remember in the, the blessing from Aaron, the Lord make his face to shine upon you. When we let his face shine upon us, that is when we begin to reflect God's light and God's goodness. Moses, when he had spent a lot of time with, with God on Mount Sinai, he came down to the people and, the, and he was so radiant with God's light that they asked him to put a veil over his head. That was reflecting the goodness of God, the light of God. It just oozed out of every pore. And that's what God is inviting us to do, to spend time with him, to, to, to seek his goodness and to, to meditate on it so that we too begin to reflect his goodness through the power of the Holy Spirit. This is the fruit of the Spirit that comes from dwelling in Jesus Christ. Luther talks about with the vine and the branches that, that you can't have a vine, that, a branch that has been cut off and is lying there and, and have that branch go, okay, now I'm going to really bear some fruit so I can be put into the vine. It's not how it works. A branch that is cut off and separate from God can't bear fruit on its own. It is not our fruit that makes us acceptable to God. God first grafts us in. Through the power of Jesus Christ, his blood shed on the cross, that is what pays the price so that we can become children of God. And it is in his power that he begins to transform us. If you think about that branch grafted into the vine as the, the life-giving sap comes through the vine and into the branch, that's where the fruit comes from. The goodness comes from the Holy Spirit dwelling in us and flowing through us in order to bear fruit. Luke 6 says, no good tree bears bad fruit. A, a good man, this is Jesus talking, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. The mouth speaks what the heart is full of. What is your heart full of today? I was listening to one of my favorite authors uh, talking about the, the culture these days, and he's like, you know what, we're People are more discipled by their cell phones than they are by the, by the Bible or by church these days. Isn't that true? We are more discipled by cable news. We are more discipled by the internet than we are by the Lord. What, are, what have you allowed to fill your heart this week? Is it anger and frustration? Is it, is it bad news? Is it all the stuff that you have to do? Is it trying to succeed or survive or, or, or be good enough for other people? Or is your heart being full of the goodness of God, of his overwhelming love for you? I love the song that the team just, just sang, the goodness of God. All my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so good. It is, it is in sitting with that and reflecting with that and in drawing from that, that our heart is full of God's goodness and that goodness produces good fruit in us. It is about being good because God created us good and, and transformed us into goodness, that then that fruit can come out of our lives. As we think about this, as we think about the light shining upon us, when we, when we dwell with God and his goodness, we can't help but have that reflect out. And that's when it overflows out of us. 
It doesn't come from us trying really, really, really hard, trying to earn our way to God. And I tell you, I do this all the time. I tell people frequently, I know grace for about 30 seconds at a time. And instantly, I start trying to earn my way to God again. Instantly, we all do it. But we as a congregation need to be reminding each other of the goodness of God that no matter what, no matter how much you've messed up, no matter how, how, how imperfect you feel, it is God's grace and his goodness that is at work in you and that is transforming your life and beginning to set you free. The, the passage in Ephesians that we, we just read says, You were once darkness, but now you are light of the Lord. Live as children of the light, for the fruit of light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Again, as God's light shines on us, we begin to reflect that as children of the light. And he uses the phrase in this place, the fruit of the light is goodness, righteousness, and truth. As we spend time with the light of God, that's when these things start to come out of us. The problem is, as Christians, often we are like, we're, we're checking a box. We're like, hey, I gave to the food pantry today. Aren't I good? I, you know, served in the nursery. <laughs> yes, you deserve a big gold star for that one. <laughs> but but we, we start to think the good works are our doing. It's our list. It's like, look at me. One commentator I was reading this week said, you know what? You, God is the carpenter. You're the wood. <laughs> so any good work that you do is because God's the carpenter and he's using you as the wood to build up the house of God, to build the kingdom of God. He's the carpenter. He's the master. We are just the materials, and he can use us to build a cathedral. But it's not our glory that happens. It is his glory. It is his majesty. It's his honor. The, the Westminster Confession Catechism says, what is the chief end of humanity? It is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. All that we do it comes from God. The fruit that we produce comes from God, and it goes back to God to glorify him. There's, there's an interesting dichotomy between do-gooders and good-doers. It's, when, you, when you meet a do-gooder, it's, it's like people who are sort of, you know, have to show. They have to prove themselves. They have to earn their way, and it's draining. But when the person is full of the Holy Spirit and lets it flow out of them, that's when you begin to see God at work. I was talking to... Um, Ed, Ed and Sparks the other day, the son of Rebecca and Greg Sparks, and he was telling a story about a guy that he found out had become a Christian. This guy had been his roommate for years, and, and Ed, you know, he's had his own struggles, he's had his own doubts, and he was just rooming with this guy, but he never, ever thought this guy would become a Christian. And he found out through another friend, well, you know, so-and-so wants to join a Bible study because, uh, you know, he's, he's become a Christian. And Edden was like, what? How is that possible? And he talked to the guy and he said, you know, what happened? And he, he said, Edden, I saw how you lived. I saw that you really believed that God was good. I saw that you wanted to be closer to God, that you wanted to be good because God is good. I saw that and I couldn't walk away from it. I saw, and I wanted that myself. 
It is interesting that sometimes we don't even see the people's lives that we impact. Eden, Eden was like, I was a mess when we were rooming together. I had all these struggles, I, I, all sorts of different things. But God was working in the midst of him. And God's light was reflecting off of Eden, as imperfect as he felt. God used that to bring someone into the kingdom of God. When we are letting God's goodness dwell in us, and his goodness flow out of us, it is glorifying to God, and, and it's a witness to the testimony of the gospel, the grace that God shows among very imperfect people. But God can use that to his glory. It is, it's interesting when we get caught up in busyness and in good works and I've got to do the following things and, and we get into this cycle and this pattern and we begin to resent things. We begin to like, well, you know, I did this, this, and this, and this, and you don't even appreciate me. It is so common. I saw a, a, a thing talking about the pastors. Trust me, we fall into the cycle a lot. But it's especially hard to see pastors who have had major failings. And I, I saw this thing, like, here's why they do that. And I, as I read it, I'm like, yeah, that's why they do that. And then I'm like, ooh, that's why I do that. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was a cycle. We start with a sense of obligation. I've got to do this stuff. I've got to be good enough. I've got to earn people's respect. I've got to earn their trust. I've got to, you know, have stuff that people can see that, yes, I'm really staying busy. It's, it's an out of obligation rather than love. And that obligation leads to resentment. We start resenting having to do all of this stuff. We start keeping score. We, we start wanting to, to rebel against that. And that resentment leads to entitlement. Well, I, I did all this stuff, then I deserve that. There's a sense of, uh, of needing to be rewarded and wanting to reward ourselves for, for what we've been doing. And that entitlement then leads to escape, wanting to just run away from it all. It doesn't matter. I'll do what my own thing. How often do we repeat that cycle? Some not as, as publicly as others, but obligation. We feel like we have to be, we should be, blah, blah, blah. And that leads to rebellion and resentment. That leads to entitlement. I can do whatever I want. And that leads to escape. Watch me do what I want. And when we get to that point, it all starts over again with obligation. Now I have to make up for the mistakes I just made and to show that I really am holy. But God's grace breaks that cycle. When we are, realize that God's grace and his offering to us that it is only by him, by his goodness to us, that, that we can live in gratitude for how he has treated us. Our, our work comes out of that gratitude. It's a response. Pastor Steve always says that our, our behavior is a response to his goodness. It's, a, it's an act of thanksgiving. When we, when we serve out of, out of obligation, it's toxic. But when we serve out of God's grace, out of his Holy Spirit, it transforms what we do. And we, we do that and we see blessings from God and we celebrate that. And we realize that God is taking care of us. That, that he will make a way, that his will is good, that he will provide, that he will be the one to give us rest. And as we rest in him, the good works flow again because we are, are seeking his goodness and being filled by the Holy Spirit. As we, as we dwell with Christ, that is when the fruit comes. Because we are abiding in him, we can bear much fruit.
So how do we cultivate this fruit of goodness? The number one thing is spending time with God in the Word and in prayer. One of the things that I saw um, in my reading this week, it was, it was talking about um, meditating on God's character and His goodness, and it reminded me of that, that three-word prayer that I taught you guys one time, wow, thanks, wow, thanks, help, wow, thanks, help. And basically what this guy was saying was, hang out with the wow for a while. We kind of go, okay, God, you're amazing, so here's my list. <laughs> but we don't dwell with the wow. The, my mom and I stayed at this tiny little Airbnb right on Lake Erie, and it was literally a 180-degree view of the lake. It was so gorgeous. And I, I just sat there. My, my spiritual discipline for the week was to watch the sunset every day. <laughs> Sunrises don't happen, but sunsets. And to just go, wow, God, you are so creative. You're so beautiful. We had, we had wildflowers and eagles going by and, and all kinds of different birds. And it was it, just to be able to sit there and go, wow, God, to reflect on his goodness, on his provision, to remember how God has been faithful in the past, that he has been good. Sometimes we can't see it in the moment, but as we reflect back, that's one reason why God wants us to remember so much. In the Old Testament, he says over and over, remember, remember that I brought you up out of Egypt. Remember that I brought water out of a rock. Let us remember that Jesus Christ came to this earth and took on sin and death and died for us because he didn't want to have heaven without you. He loves you that much. Wow. Let's hang out with the wow and, and understand how good God is. And he's pouring himself out into you so that you can pour out to others. He's not asking you to pour out from an empty tank. He's asking you to fill yourself up with his goodness so that tank will never be empty, that it will always overflow. One thing we need to be doing is deflecting praise. We need to, to not say, hey, thank you so much. I was really good that today. It's, it's like God is the one that makes this possible. If, if, if I'm a good preacher, it is because God is filling me up, not because I'm good at it. Trust me, there are days that I'm up here with an empty tank, but God says, okay, let's go. And he fills it up. It is solely from God. When, when we want to get full of ourselves, we need to remember where the fullness comes from. It only comes from Jesus Christ. And to remember that, we need to come back to gratitude. It always comes back to gratitude. In Ephesians, that's what, where this passage ends. Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Keep a gratitude journal. Try to stop yourself when you're going, this is going wrong, and this is going wrong, and this is going wrong, and say, wait a minute, what is God doing? How has he been gracious? Even if I can't see it right now, what has God done in the past that is gracious and faithful? Ask God to give you a grateful heart so that you can see his goodness. And in sitting with his goodness and, and marinating in his goodness, that goodness will begin to reflect off of your face and into the world around you. Brothers and sisters, we serve a good God. All of our life, he has been faithful, he has been good, and he loves you more than you can ask or imagine. 
Hi, this is Pastor Carolyn. Thanks so much for joining us today. If you'd like to find out more about our church, you can check out our website at mlepc.org and be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a podcast. Have a blessed day.